welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. So today we are focusing for three weeks on money, generosity, giving, finances. And uh, when I was talking to my mom, I usually talked to her, you know, she's like, what are you preaching on this weekend? I told her and she's like, oh, I got this. I'm good. I'm good. I got that. And uh, I have noticed this, that people that are, are tithers, people that are generous with their resources, whenever I preach on this, they're like, I got this, but they lean in with a smile on their face. They're excited about what God is going to do, and I've noticed that, and so I am excited for this. And I want to let you know that um, I'm indebted to Robert Morris. Uh, If you've not read his book, The Blessed Life, uh, I would just encourage you to read that. That is a book that everyone should read, and if that's too long for you to read, there's another amazing book that I love every year I read it, The Treasure Principle by Randy Elkhorn, and I just would encourage you to read those. Those are two amazing resources that uh, can add on to this. But I wanted to let you know that we're gonna talk about money and we're unashamed about this. And I realized that we just got our new uh, building for our city campus and uh, Star Tribune and a bunch of places wrote an article about it. And in the article then, you know, it's, it's a really good article. Most of them are really good articles. And the comments, not so much. And, uh, you know, I, I told Becca, stop reading them, stop reading them. Uh, you know, it's not encouraging me. All right. Uh, but we're in the right place, I can tell you that. Uh, but they were like, oh, those churches, they're all about money. They're all about money. Oh, they're all about money. And I kept thinking, well, and we just purchased the building. We get the article in the Star Tribune, and I'm preaching about money. All right, here we go. So, but it's something we do every year for three years. And we talk, so, so don't get mad about this. Realize we want to... Uh, address something the Bible talks so much about. And by the way, can I let everybody know, like, I'm not like in commission sales, okay? Like, you know, it's not like if giving goes up, the elders are like, great job, bigger check. It doesn't happen that way, all right? There's an independent compensation committee. They set my pay. It doesn't have anything to do with that, all right? And, 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 I'm, so, and I don't own anything at the church. You don't, like, collectively, we, we steward the church. God owns it, okay? All the buildings that are there, all the equipment, everything, we really don't own it. It's a nonprofit that really is for God's glory, and so we don't even own it. It really is His, okay? So I just wanted to know that, and so there's so much in the Bible. There's 500 scriptures on prayer, 500 on faith, and 2,000 that talk about money and possessions, whether it's directly talking about it or using it as an object lesson so people can connect the dots in what the Lord is teaching. And I realize we come from all different backgrounds, spiritual backgrounds, emotional, ethnic, theological, domestic, social, I mean, uh, economic, financial backgrounds, and we're just trying to get the church on the same page together with this, and we're saying all these people with varying viewpoints, let's look at the Word of God, and let's try to live this out. Now, money and giving are, are just too important, and I want you to understand this. This is a, it's a heart issue when it really comes down to it. It's a heart issue. It is a heart issue. And uh, as, we, as we go through this, uh, it should have been announced at all the campuses about Ramsey Plus. If you have not done this, I want you to do this. We are trying to help you with your finances to look at what God's Word says and to be a good steward and to take care of it and to get you in a position of strength and vitality when it comes to your finances. So many people are messed up. And with Ramsey Plus, you can text the word Ramsey to 94,000 
and you can get what normally costs $100 for free. We've paid for it for everyone in the church. Matter of fact, everyone watching online, unlimited, okay? Uh, last year when we did this, 1,600 people signed up, okay, and did this, and we're believing for more families to do this, and uh, this is just a small sample. I asked one of them, I said, give me one of the groups that, like, focused in on this, and they said, 23 families. This is just a sample. This 23 families or individuals paid off $361,000 worth of debt in six months using Ramsey Plus. We want you to, that deserves a hand clap. That's a lot of money. So we want you to, again, Ramsey to 94,000, you can do that. With inflation at 7%, help is on the way. Ramsey Plus, all right, serious. Okay, so here's what I wanna say this week. Each week there'll be a different thing, but a, a, a heart touched by God gives generously and starts with a tithe. A heart touched by God gives generously and starts with a tithe. Now, I love this verse, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And to any skeptic or anything, nobody's forced to give. We're praying that you look at the word of God, you have a cheerful heart. It's not under compulsion like you, come on. It's like you want to do this out of a heart that has been touched by God. And you say, well, again, how much? I said that word. This is a tithing church. We practice tithing and giving 10%. And we give this to Jesus by giving it to his church to fuel his church. Now, a tithe. A tithe, the, the word tithe just means tenth. It wasn't a church word, but it really has become a church word. I mean, you don't really hear the word tithe that much. You know, like, you're not at a, a, a restaurant. Are we going to tithe for the, you know, waiter? Are we going to tithe? No? Well, you better do more than that, you know. Uh, how many, it's like 20, 25, 30%. I mean, I'm always tipping bigger because, like, I figure everybody knows who we are, and I don't want anybody to think, like, oh, yeah, look how stingy the preacher is, you know. It's not uncommon for me to tip somebody at breakfast 50%, 50% cause I'm thinking they got up early. This is a low bill compared to dinner. And you know, I'm like, I'm gonna bless them. And thank you for getting up early. You know, if you do that, you might get hugged by a server someday. I'm just saying, they're like, oh. But I, so I, I, a tithe means a 10th. That's really what it means, but it has become really a church word, but it just means a 10th. And, and in our purposes, in the Bible's purposes, you're giving the first 10th, the tithe, to the Lord. Now, let me give you some stats on giving and why we need to hear about this as a church. 2020 was a record year for charitable giving in the United States of America. Record year. Can you imagine that? We're coming in, we're in the pandemic with COVID and it was a record year. $471 billion was given to U.S. charities in 2020, uh, a 5.1% increase. Amazing. To think that a pandemic is going on and something happened in the church. People in the church said, I really believe this. I really believe this. And I thank God for that. Um, it blew me away because so many of you did online that you had never done that before. For the first couple weeks of the pandemic, people literally drove and said, can somebody come outside to our car and try to stand six feet away and get our tithe check to put, I mean, they, people were driving them up. Drive, I mean, praise God for that. It's interesting, those making less than $50,000 a year gave a greater percentage of their income. Seven of the top 10 uh, generous states that were giving were from the South. Um, this is interesting though, even though giving went up, it still is lower than it was during the Great Depression. 
That still boggles my mind. How in the world can we be going up, but we're still giving a, a lower percentage than we did during the Great Depression? It's interesting. 80% of the charitable gifts in the USA come from individuals. 80% comes from individuals. And by the way, Americans are seven times more generous than Europeans. Isn't that interesting? We have people in our church that are in, in Europe, that are in Germany, all over. Americans are seven times more generous than Europeans. And I, I just I won't go to that too far, but socialism as a way of taking so much from people that they think, like, I gave it the office. And then it's almost like, well, let the government bless you rather than God bless you. And I'm all for the church being strong and us being givers and being saying we're blessed to be a blessing, like we're doing taking care of the people leaving Ukraine and the refugees. It's being strong in that way. By the way, Canadians, if you're wondering, I don't know if we have any Canadians watching this up north, you know, uh, but but it's hard to get north of Minnesota, but we do it. Canadians, they give half as much as Americans, half as much as Americans. It's interesting. Now, the average family gives Uh, $2,514. 27% of any church gives nothing, nothing. The people in the church, 27% of the people that attend a church don't give anything, okay? It's just an interesting thing. Um, 5% give regularly across all churches, and they usually give about 2.5% of their income. It's interesting. 75 to 90% of the church's church members, depending on the church, 75 to 90% do not tithe. People ask me all the time, what percentage tithe? And I don't know that we have an exact, exact. We've never had anybody come and analyze that. But I know that uh, we're, we're stronger than the average. We are stronger than the average, but nowhere near 100%. Um, it's interesting, those that start to tithe, this is, all these are recent stats. Those that have started to tithe usually don't stop there. They usually keep giving until they get to 20%. Isn't that interesting? Once you start giving, it just keeps going up, and it keeps, a generosity happens in you. And they did the math, if everyone in America tithed, we would have $165 billion more for the kingdom of God. I said that right with a B, $165 billion more. We could eliminate world hunger, eliminate uh, end literacy, illiteracy. We could provide clean water for everybody. We, every missionary would be 100, uh, 100% funded. We'd be begging for more missionaries to go because we'd have so much money. Every building would be debt-free. I mean, there's something going on. We need to look at this. The church needs to be strong. And a, a heart touched by God is generous and starts with a tithe. Now, some churches don't talk about it. They're afraid of it. Some people will argue, like, I'm a New Testament giver. And uh, I, I say, well, great. What do you do? Because Jesus always goes up. If you take the law in the Old Testament, Jesus is like, well, you were told don't murder. I say, don't be angry. I'm going to raise it higher. Uh, you were told don't commit adultery. I'm going to say don't lust. Okay, the law was 10%. Where are we going from there? And usually when I ask that, the person is usually like, I don't want to talk about the percent, you know. <laughs> All right. But he goes up. That's the way I see it. But for whatever reason, is, is, it's there. Now, some say the New Testament is silent on tithing. And I want to just address a couple of things. First of all, it was assumed. It was assumed in the early church days and in the life of Jesus when he's getting ready to pay the price for our sins. It was assumed that everyone understood tithing. Matter of fact, in Matthew 23, verse 23, he says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill, little spices, and come in, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. 
The word used ought is a strong word that says it's a necessity. It's a necessity. You must, like, I get it. You should be tithing. It's a necessity. You must be. It was implied that everyone knew what was going on. And beyond that, if you look at the life of Jesus, remember, he's raising the bar. Look at the examples of when Jesus talked to people about money. He's like, hey, in Luke 3, 11, he's like, hey, if you have two tunics, give one away. Um, that's 50%. Okay, he talks to another, like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is like, I, I repent. I, I want to serve you, Jesus. He goes, today I give half of everything I own to you and I'll pay back half, like I'll give half, 50%. And Jesus didn't say, no, no, way less, 2.5, you know. He didn't say that. He's like, good, today salvation comes into this house, 50%. In Mark chapter 10, verse 21, he's talking to the rich young ruler, sell all that you have and give to the poor. These are radical percentages, okay? Radical percentage. And again, in Luke 14, he's saying like, if you're gonna follow me, you have to lay down everything and follow me. These are radical percentages. And I wonder what Jesus would say to affluent America that averages 2.5%. Way to go, way to go. I, really, you know, I don't think he's gonna do that. So when you look at this radical generosity, I, I see that it's implied, it's understood. And, and when you look at the writings of the Apostle Paul who wrote so much of the New Testament, there's nuanced references there about giving that really show us this upward, over and above, keep going way beyond the tithe. In 1 Corinthians 16, 2, he's like, your giving should be regular and consistent. And then in 2 Corinthians 8, he says, like, we're going to go beyond our tithe according to our ability. We're going to even do beyond, like, according to ability. In, in chapter 9, verse 7, he's like, it's not going to be governed by law, but by a joyful heart. 9-8 uh, is like, it must be generous. And through that, like, the blessings are going to flow. You understand? So it was really this, like, we got this base going here, and we're going to keep going up from there. I love this. I love this. Now, when we look at the tithe, and it's introduced in the law, and for those of you who don't understand, in the Bible, there's pre-law, and then there's the law part, where God gives his law to his people, and then there's New Testament grace that we're living in now. So in the... In the um, Law, God's talking about the tithe. And there's several verses, and it says that first tenth, that tithe belongs to him. It's his. It's holy. It's set apart. And in Leviticus 27, verse 30, it says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. Get this. It says, it is holy to the Lord. That tithe, that tenth, it's holy. Holy just means set apart, different from the rest. It's his. It's to be set apart. It's different. That tithe is treated differently than the rest over there. There's other references, and I don't have time to go through them all, but um, in Deuteronomy 26, it talks about the tithe belonging to the Lord, and it says, I have removed the holy tithe from my house. Like, I made sure to take the set apart part and, and give it to God. I've removed it from my house. I put it over there. It's there. And in this first tenth, it blesses the rest. And we believe that as we give this to God, God opens up the windows of heaven and pours out blessings on us that we can't contain. Story after story after story of people like, I put the Lord, I did it, I put him to the test, I started tithing, and watch, boom, 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 things start to happen. In Malachi chapter 3, uh, it says this, bring the whole tithe into into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that 
uh, that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So you're giving this first tenth to the Lord and he, it, he literally like opens up the windows and, and he blesses us according to his riches in glory, not according to our riches on earth. And he does something supernatural with our finances. And Becca and I have always done this. We've always done this before we were pastors. When we were children, we did it. When we were uh, newly married and I was uh, working at um, Control Data and she was working at the bank in Egan. I mean, we were tithing. We were not in the middle. This is something we have practiced our entire life. And people say like, how does it work? You just give the first tenth to the Lord. And I want to have some people help me out with an illustration that I did years ago, but I want the church to see it again because I did it years ago and I loved it. It just helps people get the understanding of saying, God, this is set apart for you. The first tenth goes to you and for your glory. Come on up here and bring those on up. And so here's what it means. And I've got a whole crew of people that are going to help me out. Come on out. That means if God gives you uh, 10 watermelons, where are they at? Come on out. Come crew, come on now, come on. You're gonna see, it's like, who are the people behind the curtain? All right, that means if God gives you uh, a watermelon, you give the first one to him, and then he's like, guess what? You get to have nine watermelons in yours, and you guys gotta like barge over people and be aggressive with those watermelons. If one falls, we'll say it's Gallagher's show or whatever, all right? (laughs) We're just gonna get this going, all right? And that means that the Lord says, all right, and if you get... All right, there's a traffic jam back there. Uh, That means, what is this? A butternut squash? Is that what it is? That means if you have a butternut squash, you're like, Pastor Rob doesn't know what he's doing. All right. (laughs) But you give that first one to the Lord, and then there's nine butternut squash. All right, I know that's a cantaloupe, and it's usually put in that fruit medley, and I don't eat it. So, all right. But... The first one goes to the Lord, and that means you get, not, I mean, you look like this is the Lord's table, and this is yours, and there's an exchange going on here, and he's saying you get that. Now, that means if you have pineapples, and you're fortunate, that means the first one, first pineapple goes to him, and all the rest of those pineapples go, I mean, and this is your table, and this is the Lord's table, and this is how tithes were, all right, and this is a eggplant, all right, eggplant. <laughs> I think they're going to try to stump me. All right. First eggplant goes to the Lord. You get nine. First one always goes. And then that means, come on, keep coming, keep coming. That means if you get cauliflower, it's part of the fall of man. It was not here before. I don't, I, this, I, I can't, I never eat it. But you got to give one to the Lord and then the rest. All right. Those in Brussels sprouts. But I don't know where they came from. Somebody's lawnmower bottom or something, but I'm not in on Celery, celery, you give the Lord the first one and you keep those. Se- lettuce, I was almost called salad. Lettuce, <laughs> lettuce, lettuce. You give the first one and you look at your table, Lord's table. Your table, the Lord's table. And you look at this, so what's going on right here? And right, there's more. Come on, keep it coming, keep it coming. Bunches of bananas, you get the first to the Lord and you say, Lord, you get that one. And then there's 10 over there and that means zucchini. All right, get, you give the Lord the first zucchini and then, and then he gets, you get, the, look at all your table. You green peppers, love them. They go there, Becca can't stand them. Red peppers, the Lord, again, okay, this is the t- table disparity here. Orange, like if you get 10 oranges, you give God the first one. If Mango, is it a mango? 
Mango, all right, mango, all right. Yeah, right there. You give, you give the Lord one and you get, all right, you got bags of apples. You give the Lord a bag of apples and you get, now look at your table. I can't even fit all that the Lord has. Like he's letting you keep that. He's letting you keep that it's so much. It's spilling over. It's all over. And, and this is what Dave Ramsey said. He said, if you can't live on 90%, you can't live on 100%. He said, it doesn't require a miracle for you to get through the month. Now, it might require you to trim your budget and stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. And we're going to talk about that in week three. But this is the Lord's like, you and, and me. He's like, I want the first one. And that acknowledges that I own it all and it belongs to me, but look at what I keep. And that's why you're like, Lord, we are gonna do some kingdom builders, Lord. We're gonna just keep giving more over to you and how much more do you want? You see what I'm saying? That, that's what we're trying to say. And you live in that way. And, and Pastor Adrian, Ro Adrian Rogers said this, I think they have the quote, they can put it up. Give to God what is right, not what is left. Because if you start filling your table and you forget to give God the first one, you know what happens at the end of the month, there's nothing left and you're like, I think it's still good. You know, you can have the half-eaten eggplant, Lord. You know how much you love those. You know, and then that's all you give him. But you say, Lord, I'll give to you what's right and I won't do it from what's left. I'll do the first goes to you. And we believe it's a heart touched by God starts with the tithe to fuel his church. Again, it's not law. It's not law. It's actually before the law. But let me just point out in the law, God said, I want my people, the Israelites, the Jewish people, I want you to tithe 10% to the Lord. And then he said, I want you to do 10% for the festivals that are going to happen. And then he said, every three years, I want you to give 10% for the poor. It actually averaged out to be about 23% but they took care of his, his uh, people, his, his, the priests and the temple. It took care of the government and the festivals that were happening, and it took care of the poor. And it's interesting, like I said early on, isn't it interesting? Those that tithe, Barna figured this out, those that start with 10% eventually keep moving up to 20%, which is almost what the Israelites did with 23%. It's interesting. We didn't even have to get a teaching on that, and we started gravitating towards that. And so we're doing this, and we're tithing, and I'm telling you this, when you start to tithe, there's something that happens when you do this. And Sir John Templeton, who was the founder of Templeton Investments, okay, if you hear them, Templeton Investments, he said this, I have observed 100,000 families over my years of investment counseling. I always saw greater prosperity and happiness among the, those families who tithe than the, among those who didn't. Isn't that interesting? It's like I saw there was a greater joy. There was a greater, okay? Once you start giving and you start doing this, you find the joy in giving. And it becomes a joy to do this. So it was in the law, but it was also predating the law. And Abraham, in Genesis 14, he's like, when his nephew Lot was uh, kidnapped and captured and taken away, he goes and fights this battle, and he, and he wins as the underdog. He shouldn't have won. And he wins the battle to bring Lot back to the family. And when he wins this battle, he honors the Lord by giving a tithe of 10% to the priest Melchizedek. 
Now, many believe that Melchizedek was a pre-incarnate of Jesus Christ, that Melchizedek was really not there on earth, but he was coming down in the moment of that battle that was pre-incarnate Jesus appearing to Abraham in that moment. And Hebrews talks about that Melchizedek is pointing to Jesus, okay? So he's pointing, so in that moment, Abraham realizes like, I was the underdog. I won this battle. You gave me the victory. I am giving you a tithe. I'm giving you a tenth. I'm saying it came from you. It came from you. And it's interesting, there was a, a, a king that was there uh, of that region of Sodom and that area. And he's like, well, well like, didn't I, I help? And Abraham's like, no, you didn't. God gave me the victory. I'm not giving, I'm giving it to God and I'm honoring Melchizedek and I'm honoring the priest that is, that is before God. And I'm saying, God, thank you for giving me the victory. Okay, so when we give tithes, I just believe people say, well, where do you do it? Do I just like do it to homeless or here or there? Or, or like, do I take my money and I, I throw it up in the air? Whatever God keeps, he gets. Whenever it hits the ground, I'll keep, you know. No, 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 no. Somebody's like, can we do that? No, you can't. When I look at this, he said, I'm going to build my church. And I think about the power of the local church as a gathering place for people to be on mission together and to be discipled and to grow and to come into worship. It's not just about worship. We're on mission together and we're fueling the mission. And as the local church brings it to the local church, the people say, we're bringing it here and we're going to give this to the Lord. And by the way, it's a, it's a solemn responsibility when people give money to the church. Like you are not giving it to Rob. You are not giving it to our staff. You are giving it to the Lord and we are taking care of it and managing it and being great stewards of it. And I even say this to our staff when they receive the offering. Sometimes they go, okay, at this time we're going to take the offering. I'm like, no, we are not taking anything. We are receiving a gift that people are giving to the Lord. And sometimes the staff is like, stop being so technical about the words. But I'm just like, we are receiving a gift that's been given to the Lord to fuel his church, to fulfill the mission for his glory and for his honor. And this really is a form of worship. You can clap for that, yeah. Abraham realized, like, God gave me this, and he worshiped. And I want you to understand, I, I don't have time. I have so much to say, and, and I'm going to go a little over. But I don't want you to think transactional. I mean, you could keep giving the Lord even more and just be like, Lord, I know it was 10%, but I'm rounding up. I'm doing it. You did. I don't want you to think transactional, technical, accountant. I want you to think like you are in love with God, and you are wanting to bless the one you love, and you are wanting to worship him. That's what we're doing. We are worshiping him. And in Genesis 4 and in Hebrews 11, it gives us a look at Cain and Abel. And if you read through your Bible, you'll see like Cain and Abel do this offering. And, and God's like, you know, I love Abel's offering and I don't love Cain's. And, and, and that leads to Cain getting jealous and he kills his brother. And you're like, why didn't he like the offering? Now, check this out. In Hebrews 11:4, it says, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain through which he was attested to be righteous. So it's interesting, the word better there, it can be argued that it refers to a number or the bulk of it or the weight of it. Isn't that interesting? So it, it, like Abel could be like, God, I'm giving you a bulk. I'm giving you a number, a tithe. I'm doing this. And Cain's like, well, you could just have a little. 
You can just have a little. Whether it's exactly that or not that, but the word that is better there is a word that refers in Hebrews to a number, a percentage, a bulk that is there. And so that's why we're like, God, we want to do this. We want to worship you. And the definition of worship is this, ascribing worth to someone or something. And we're saying, God, you're worth it. And I've always thought it's interesting when people are like, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, this is your God. This is the one who has saved you. This is the one that you give your life to. And you're like, I, 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 want, to, I want to take everything from this table. Pull out on the picture. I want to take everything from this table. And I want it on my table. And God gets only the left. I mean, no. I'm like, I worship you. I ascribe worth to you in the way that I live and the way that you've given me this money in my hand. And I want to give this to you. And it's a, a, a 10%. People say, why is it 10%? Why couldn't it be a little bit smaller than that? You may not realize this. Um, 10 is a number. It represents testing in the Bible. It represents testing in the Bible. We have 10 commandments. We have the 10 plagues in Egypt. There was a testing going on. Jacob, even when he was with his father-in-law, he survives the testing. He says, 10 times you have, ch- you have changed my wages. You've been testing me with my wages, and I've been faithful to you every time. I've not stolen from you. Interesting. 10 is a testing. And so a tenth, a tithe, it becomes a heart test, and it becomes, God, I want to pass the test. I love you, and, my, and I want to worship you in this way. And even if it means I downsize, I realign, I do things differently, God, I will honor you with this, and this is the way I want to live. And I believe this. A, a heart blessed by God passes that test. A heart blessed by God passes the test, and it says, you know what? I want to do this. I desire to do this. I'm excited to do this. I, I mean, uh, last year there was something supernatural, and not to go out to like the, the sermon up ahead, but like there was something supernatural with our kingdom builders. It was literally like people were like throwing things from their table to God's table, and they just kept saying like, like God, it's a form of worship. And, and we didn't even announce like what we were trying to do to get the new building for the city campus. And people were just like, we're worshiping you and we're throwing more onto your table. And God's like, I'm taking care of that. I love to see that in my children, that you're passing this test, that you're saying my heart has been touched by you and I, and I, and I worship you, God. I'll start with that Old Testament tithe and go up from there and bless you, Lord. I'm praying that... Just like in the early church, the tithe paid for the ministers, it paid for the benevolence, it paid for the missionaries, and, all that, and it still does those things. But because not everybody does it, we ask other people to continue to go over and above, and they do that, and I thank God for it. But I'm praying that we can fuel the church that way. And I'm praying for the people that have never heard this. You're like, I did not know that. And you say, like, really, seriously? No, no, we have people every year, like, I had never heard that. I never had, they started doing that and watch what God does as he blesses that and honors them in ways that are way beyond finances. And you take that next time you get your paycheck and you say, God, I'm giving you 10%. I'm going right off the top. The first tenth is going to you. I bless you and it's yours. It's set apart and nobody's touching it. Like God, it's yours. I set that apart and you give that. Those that don't know and you've not done it, you're just dragging your feet. I'm just telling you that you'll just grab a hold of this. I'll never forget. December 31st, a family called me. The husband called. 
And he said, Pastor Rob, I gotta come to your house today. I gotta come to your house today. It's very important. I'm like, it's New Year's Eve, kind of wrapping up the year with family. I got the little smoky sausages cooking right now, the celebration, you know. And he's like, no, no, I have to come over now. I really do. Okay, okay, come on over. So he comes to my house and he says, Pastor Rob, I had to come to your house. And he goes, I just can't shake this. He goes, I've been living in disobedience. And he goes, I have not tithed for years. And he goes, I just can't shake it. I can't shake it. And God just spoke to me and he said, you've got to go over to his house and get the tithe check in right now. I, and he said, I've made it out to River Valley Church, but I need to give it to you. I need to give it to you. And I said, okay, okay. And he, and he literally, literally got down on his knees in our living room and said, will you pray for, I, I, I have been disobedient. I've, been dis I've heard it year after year after year, and I ask you to pray for me. And he handed me a check for $100,000 tithe. He said, I have not tithed for years. And he goes, God is so, I don't know what God did to him. I don't know what God did to him, but I prayed over him and he was weeping. He hugged me and left. Of course, I gave the church the check and put it in. And I was like, okay, answer the phone on December 31st. All right, yeah. <laughs> But I'm praying for that type of moment. Maybe not come and kneel, but you'll say, God, and you don't have to call me. You don't have to call your campus pastor. You just have to have that heart that says, God, I want to live in obedience. You've known it. He's been knocking on your door. I pray that you'll live in that obedience. And I pray for those that are living the tithe out right now. I just pray you're just going to start grabbing the best things, whatever you think are the best. I'm grabbing the pineapples because I think they're the best things. I'm just praying you're going to put the best things into God's church and into fueling his mission around the world and you'd live that way saying God I want to do more for your glory and for your honor may every missionary be funded may every project be funded may every refugee find hope in Jesus Christ because we're moving things from our table to his table and we are reaching the world for the glory of Jesus Christ so God I pray right now May the hearts be touched by God. May hearts be touched by you. And start with that Old Testament, with that pre-law, with the in the law. And Lord Jesus, now living in grace, going over and above. And God, filling your table with the first of everything. And then being more generous on top of that. May we give for your glory and for your honor as a way of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.